Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit to The Other 99, a podcast to equip the church for community, discipleship, and mission. Uh, we're your hosts. My name is Guy Wimberly. I'm Bethany McFarland. And I'm David Godbold. All right, y'all. This episode, we're going to be looking at calling, both what does that look like in the global church, and also what does it look like at a more individual level. Even though we're going to drill into these topics today, it's not going to be an exhaustive conversation. This is a topic that's going to come up again and again throughout our future episodes. But before we're going to, but bleh, but before we get into all of that, <laughs> Bethany is going to start us off with a super fun game, y'all. <laughs> all right. So as David said, we like to start off our episodes just with a little fun icebreaker, something to get us started, just a little bit of goofiness and a way for you guys to get to learn a little bit more about each of us. So today what we're going to be playing is a modified version of catchphrase. We're all going to be describing answers to the question, what have you dressed up for for Halloween or dressed up as for Halloween? And we're going to have 30 seconds to describe as many of these as possible and try to get the other two participants to guess. So I guess I'll go ahead and start this off since... Want me to keep a timer? Sure. If you'll keep a timer, that would be fantastic. Yep. Um, You got to go whenever you get to... Wait, how does scoring work for this? Whoever gets the most in 30 seconds. Oh, booyah. Okay, so it's me versus David. What? No, 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 like, whoever can get you to guess the most in 30 seconds. Oh. Okay. You still want to guess, or we could do it that way. Yeah, let's do me versus David. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to get crazy. David, you keep, since I'm doing time, you keep the tally. Oh, but then, I think, I think Bethany should keep the tally. That yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'll that keep the tally. Sense. So do I need to reintroduce this then? No, we're good. This, this is all good. Out. I'll keep it in. Okay. <laughs> no, don't keep all this in. <laughs> we try to let people know who we are. This is who we are. <laughs> this is who we are. This is, this is what an accurate is. snapshot. I don't have a good comeback for that. There we go. <laughs> you win. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let me know when you're ready. All right. Ready? Or you count me off. I'll work okay. better that way. Ready, set, go. Orange, round, everybody dresses like Pumpkin. these. All right. Um, counterpart to a prince. Princess. <laughs> Not a dog, but a... Cat. Cat. <laughs> From the 70s. Disco mania. Um, no. Saturday Night Fever. Maybe maybe it was 60s. I don't know. Uh, the Beatles. Generations. Well, um, no. Um, I'm going to skip that one. Pocahontas okay. was one of these. Indian. Native An Indian. American. Guy. All right. Um, Time. Dang it. That was so fast. I didn't even get to my good ones. Um, so, since I didn't get to them, when I was a kid, this was my favorite Halloween costume. And it's because I don't 
my mother is a wonderful person for actually putting up with us, but I wanted to be a lion tamer for Halloween one year. There you go. Because I thought they were the coolest things ever. So I told my mother this, and she was like, what the heck? That's the stupidest thing. Like, I don't even know what a lion tamer looks like. But she didn't tell me this in those words because she was trying to be kind to a seven-year-old. But (laughs) she went and, like, made me this gold cape. And I had, like, this little whip and carried around a stuffed animal lion. And nobody knew what I was supposed to be when I showed up at their doors. And I had to (laughs) tell everybody. And I thought I was really, really cool. And everybody else was just like, this child is weird. That's my story. There you go. All right. David, you next? All right, I'll go. Okay. All right. You, what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get my good ones first. Okay. So, so I'm, David, I'm you've got to keep. Oh, score update. David got three, and Guy got one. Woohoo! But this is like running score throughout everybody. So yeah, Guy, you've got a yeah. chance to make some up now. Yep. All right. So you ready here? Yeah. All right, Guy, tell me when to start. Okay. Ready, set. Something that mice like to eat. Cheese. Cheese. Okay. Um, number 10, baseball. Chipper Jones. Yep. Um, uh, Oi, Watson, there's a clue over here. Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> You're a wizard. Hagrid. Hagrid. What, what did y'all say? I doubt it. Hagrid. Hagrid. I doubt it. No, no. Harry, Harry Potter. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. I was gonna say, was yeah, it was Shaggy. Shaggy. So, um, it, despite you saying "got it, guy," you you, you didn't got it. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> it's up. It's up to the person who's. Uh, Bethany edged you, and it is now score update with it being with being what it was. Um, it is now. Uh, Bethany three, me three, and guy two. <laughs> okay. Whatever. So, uh, so this is the tiebreaker, basically. Yeah. Okay. Others that were on my list were were John Smoltz, uh, Shaggy, and Superman. I got Shaggy. It, not before time was called. Oh, okay. I never heard time called, and you just stopped talking. I was like, I guess that happens. All Sorry, right, guy. Okay. Do you need somebody else to time you, or are you good? Yeah, yeah. That's that my a, disadvantage. Yeah, yeah, okay, I was doing the timer, so I should get we'll, like. We'll give you a pity one. That means he still loses. He he. If if one of us really flops, he could tie for second. Yeah. All right. I've got I've got a timer up. Okay. On your mark. Get set, go. Bruce Wayne. Oh, Batman. Batman. Uh, what? What Bruce Wayne was steered of? Bats. Bats. Yep. Um, <laughs> non-magical person. Muggle. Muggle. Oh, that was a tie. I'll give it to both of you. Um, the dwarf with glasses. What? Oh, Doc. Yes. Um, oh. <laughs> Star Trek pointy ears. Spock. Spock. That was a tie. I'll give it to both of you. Um, Star Trek Android. Oh, it's, it's, it's done. It didn't okay, make a noise. That's sad. So, I think David um, beat me. Yeah. So the final score is David with eight and Bethany with five. Nice. Good you job, got a lot man. in. Yep. Yeah. I didn't feel like it was that many. Mm-mm. 
What all did we do for you? Batman? Uh, bat? Batman, Spack. Bat. So I wanted to be... I was Batman one year, and the next year I wanted to be Batman, and Mom said, no, you can't be Batman two years in a row. So I was a bat. Um, Batman, <laughs> bat, a muddle. Um, I just wore my normal clothes. Um, yes. Uh, Doc from uh, oh, yeah. D- uh, Snow, Snow White. White. I, I, that year I dressed up. It was a Disney-themed thing, I think, at your apartment, Bethany, and I just wore a Probably. solid green T-shirt with glasses. Um, and that was Doc. Um, Spock from Star Trek, and then the one that I just gave <laughs> when time ran out was Data from Star Trek. <laughs> Do y'all remember Data? That we would have never gotten. <laughs> so, for some reason, uh, I think normal progression would be, okay, like, everybody knows Spock do that first and then okay the next year like do data um but for some reason i really wanted to be data so i was data and then i was spot the next year because i was a nerd nerd. (laughs) but that's fitting be true to get into my star wars costumes costumes Uh, (laughs) there's multiple no just one i had multiple disney but only one star wars gotcha this episode, like David said earlier, we're talking about calling. Last episode, if you listen to episode two before you listen to this one, we, we kind of left part of the episode kind of hanging at this point, or at least we said it kind of serves as a natural lead-in for, for this episode. We ended last episode, the last episode was talking about the church and the purpose of the church in the world. Uh, sort of completing God's mission in the world and, and how we play a part in that. Um, the, the, the two pictures that we kind of ended last week with were uh, two pictures out of the book of Nehemiah. Um, there's uh, in Nehemiah 3, there's a, there's a man who, in Nehemiah 3, it just kind of goes through and lists different people that rebuilt different parts of Jerusalem after the Israelites came back from exile. And a, a lot of them is just like, you know, this group of brothers went over here to the fish gate. This group of priests went over here to the sheep gate. Uh, but there's this one guy in Nehemiah 3 who he just builds the wall right outside build rebuilds part of the wall right outside his house um, and just that kind of idea of seeing a need and filling it um, we, we talked about that um, and then we also talked about uh, another picture out of Nehemiah uh, Nehemiah at, at every point in the book uh, stops and prays before he does anything and then there's this one point where he meets opposition uh, or, or he sees something going wrong in the in the Israelite community where the rich are oppressing the poor and Nehemiah who has prayed before every uh, incident uh, big moment big decision but before other points of kind of opposition and conflict he's prayed nehemiah who before all of these has prayed and sought god's will doesn't at this point and and intervenes and acts immediately because he 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 doesn't even need to question it he knows what's god's will and what's not god's will in this moment both of those pictures kind of give us uh an idea of sort of what calling looks like in a moment where he 
knew right in that moment what God was was calling. That both of those people knew right in that moment what God was calling them to do, which kind of gets us talking about the bigger idea of what is calling, uh, what is God's call in my life, and David's going to pick it up from there. So typically in the church, when we when we hear the word called or calling, we typically hear it in reference to people who are called to ministry or called to being pastors. But, but it goes much further than that. Like we talked about in the last episode, calling and, and ministry goes far beyond just the pastors. It's for the whole 100. It's not just for the 1%. The, the pastors, the ones that, that lead um, or, or preach every, every Sunday. But, it, but it's for everybody. We all have call stories, whether we realize it or not. We might be in the middle of it right now and still trying to figure out what's going on. But there is a story there of God calling you into work somewhere to come alongside of him in the work he's already begun. Um, whether that looks like work within a church, like a pastor, or work out in the world, whether it be in the financial world, engineering, teaching, farming, anything, insert whatever it is that you do, and and there's calling somewhere in there. God is calling you either into or out of something to go and do his work. And we're going to get into that a little bit more deeper later on. We're actually going to talk about our own call stories and and what those look like uh, as kind of practical examples of, of what we're going to talk about today. But back to what I said a minute ago, this is about the whole 100. When Peter writes in 1 Peter or John in Revelations about the priesthood of all believers, these comments are going to the church as a whole, to every person that hears it, not just the ones that are reading the letters or doing the leading within the church. But he's talking to every single person that has any sort of role in any sort of day-to-day work. There's this cool moment that kind of kind of changes the perspective of, of what the priesthood looks like at in Mark. I, I go to Mark because that's the that's the gospel I've studied the most, so that's where I kind of default to. So in Mark fifteen, right as Jesus dies, the temple, the the, the veil in the temple tears from top to bottom, which is symbolic because up to that point there was a certain subsect of the Jewish community that were called to be priests. And it was only them who did the, the priestly work of communicating with God and, and, and intercessing between the people and God. And where this veil sits is right in front of the Ark of the Covenant in a place that's called the Holy of Holies. And, and it was understood in in Jewish tradition that this represented the presence of God, the very presence of God on earth. Now they realized that God was was bigger than that little room, but this was the representation of God among his people. And only once a year was a priest allowed to go back behind that curtain. But at Jesus' death, and, and all that that carries with it, that veil is torn, symbolically showing God 
not being separate among his people, but going out among all of his people. The priestly duty is no longer for a subsect of the people, it's for everybody to go and do no matter what their vocation is. They're called to be priests. They're called to to spread and do God's will. Um, so one of the big things we want to talk about here is, is that that there aren't two separate classes of Christian, the the pastors and the and the everybody else. We're all called to one big purpose. So so what are so what are these things that we're called to? So speaking in the one hundred percent what every Christian is called to, I would call these universal callings. And I think it can be really nicely summed up in love God, love neighbor, which is just kind of a catchy phrase sounds cute you're like oh yeah i'm totally on board with that i'll love god i'll love my neighbor but that's something that's really easy to turn into a checklist before i get into that where we get this idea of loving god and loving neighbor comes from matthew 22 and the pharisees are all gathering around because that's what they do and one of them comes up to jesus and said Teacher, what's the greatest commandment? Of all these commandments that all of us know, because we're all that and we've studied this, what's the best one? Or if we should only obey one, which is the one that we need to obey? And Jesus comes back and he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. Then he doesn't stop because Jesus likes to give his own answers and not stay confined by what the Pharisees ask him says, in seconds like it, you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. Then on these two commandments depends all the laws of the prophets. So I think that's, this is definitely where we get the love God, love neighbor idea. It comes from scripture. Everything that we do should be either directly showing love to God or showing love to our neighbor. Like I said, it's easy to make this into a checklist oh, I read my Bible today, or I prayed, so I loved God. All right, I'm good. Loved God for today. Oh, I said something nice or encouraging to my spouse or to my coworker, or I didn't intentionally rear-end that guy who cut me off, so that counts as nice to my neighbor and loving my neighbor, right? Um, but that's not at all what we're trying to get at here. We're wanting to really create this new lens through which you view the world, and every action that you do and everything that you say how can you be showing love and respect to God and to those who are around you? I know that's a lot easier said than done, but that's the purpose we're getting at here. Not a checklist, not a this is something I can do, but a how can I reorient my life? So talking about changing how we view things, the purpose of that is to bring restoration back to the world. When the earth was first created, there was no... um, There was nothing separating us from God. That happened once sin came in. And David's already played to that illusion a little bit with the veil being torn and us having direct access to God. But that's still just one step in the right direction of things being restored to their natural order. And that is our purpose, our universal calling, the whole 100, everything we do through loving God and loving our neighbor You may hear us say bringing the kingdom to earth or that's kind of a churchy phrase, but that's what that means. It's just what can we do to make things back into their right order? Who can we show love to? And that doesn't just mean your next door neighbor, the people who live in the house next to me. I talk to my next door neighbors. Um, I don't know all of their names. I will talk to any of them, but that doesn't mean I have 
the excuse to stop there. It's whoever happens to be in your general vicinity. Just who can you show love to? Who are you physically around? Or now that we're in the technology age, that even further expands. But what does that look like to show love to all people and in doing so, love and respect to our Lord and Savior? So that's kind of calling on a more universal level what it looks like for all of us, what the bigger purpose is. Guy, do you want to tell us a little bit about what it looks like on an individual level? Yeah. So there are two words that kind of get thrown around together, calling and vocation. Vocation is your job, and your vocation can be part of your calling, but your calling is going to be bigger than your vocation. And so I'm, I feel like I'm called to be a teacher, but that's not all that I'm called to. Uh, I might feel called to be a pastor, but that's not all that I'm called to. On, on an individual level, all, all of our individual callings are going to point back to that universal calling. And, and kind of a good quote, and, and we brought it up in the last episode, and we went back and we doodled it, and we got the actual quote, so we're not going to be butchering it this week. This comes from... Uh, an author, uh, Frederick Buechner, he says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And and that's kind of been a, a quote that I think has helped uh, all of us, uh, especially, and, and a lot of other people kind of discern, try, try and help us figure out, okay, how do I fulfill uh, the church's universal calling. And so, so again, he says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Uh, so s- starting off with deep hunger, th- there's, just like we're talking about, the world needs restoration. There, There's brokenness in my community. There's brokenness in your community. And, and there are things we can do to to work with God, to partner with God, to restore and redeem it. Um, and so th- those are the things that are, are the deep hunger. And, and then the deep gladness, oftentimes, for the most part, and we're going to get into this later, but, but for the most part, our calling is, is not going to be something that we just hate. Uh, there, there are biblical examples of God calling people to do just really weird things. Ezekiel is called to cook food over his own poop for a year. Very few of uh, that's not something that every prophet had to do. Like you know, we're we're not going to be called to to that kind of thing um, for the most part. Uh, our our calling is is going to be a place where our giftedness the things that we're good at, the things that we enjoy doing, um, sort of lead us into what, what are the things that, that when, what's the thing that when it comes up, you get super excited. What's the thing that when you do it, you lose track of time, um, those types of things. And so uh, again, God's calling on your life is the place where those areas in your life, the things you're gifted at, the things you enjoy doing, intersect with meet the world's deep hunger Um, some examples of that intersection I really liked math I really liked math Uh, I I enjoyed doing it in high school I majored in math I got to my my current job as a high school teacher and our ACT score 
is three points. Our average ACT score at my high school is three points below the the Mississippi State average. And I did really well on the ACT. Um, and so I, I kind of discerned or, or saw it as, as my calling here in addition to my, my teaching duties. Um, I kind of saw it as a, a particular calling in this moment to offer ACT tutoring. That was where my deep gladness met the, the world's or, or my high school's deep hunger. Um, and, and kind of a lot. And so for some people that would look like I've got a buddy who um, is did vet school stuff or veterinary majored in some kind of working with animals, zoology of uh, something. And, um, and now he's working in a zoo. And, and that's kind of where his deep gladness meeting the world's deep need. One thing that guy hit on is that you may not be called to what is your deep gladness. And I think that's really important just for us to camp out on for another minute or so. Um, Sometimes calling can be used uh, for personal refinement, where there's something you need to learn, an area that you need to grow in. A very practical example of this is for mine and Nathan's relationship, the majority of it was distance. And that is something that both of us, quite frankly, hated. Um, It was miserable and we did not enjoy it. But for the betterment of our relationship now hindsight and even in the moment we knew it was where we needed to be and we knew it was the best for our long-term relationship and setting us up for success in our marriage so that's an example in my life of how I was called to an area a physical area that I did not particularly want to be in or more so Nathan was called to an area that I did not want him to be in (laughs) because I wanted him to be in Mississippi um but there was a greater purpose behind where we needed to be and what we were doing in that time. But there's also biblical examples of what this looks like. And one that really jumps out that we were talking about yesterday and some pre-planning was one of the times that Paul is in prison, which happens a handful of times, but he is in Rome, finds himself in prison and he and Silas are singing and praying, and in the middle of the night, there's this earthquake. Everybody's chains come off. Everybody has the opportunity to escape, and as soon as the guard who's watching them realizes what happens, he decides he's going to kill himself because he has failed at his job, and Paul calls out, says, yo, bro, wait up. We're all still here. No need to freak out. That's a, that's a direct quote, Direct quote, quote. Right? yes, yes. <laughs> So he tells them, hey, we're all still here. And the guy is completely blown away by it. Long story short, him and his entire household come to put their faith in Jesus Christ. I can't imagine that Paul wanted to be in prison. He did not go out of his way to make sure he was put into prison. He was actually walking around with Silas. They were walking through like a marketplace and this demon-possessed slave girl is following them around yelling and screaming about how... They're holy and anointed, and out of frustration and annoyance, Paul turns around, tells her to shut up, and tells the demon, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave. And the owner of the slave girl is so mad about this because they were using her to make money, telling fortunes and that kind of deal. So she's so angered, the owner is, that she sends Paul to prison. 
It's not like Paul was going and looking for an excuse to be thrown into prison because he knew there was this deeper purpose. He just happened to find himself there. But once he was in that situation, there are a couple things he did. He was singing singing hymns and praying and being intentional with the people who he was with in the prison. And then also he didn't take the opportunity to escape, especially like since he didn't probably didn't need to be there in the first place. That would have been a really easy out, but he stayed around and was able to meet this deep need in the jailer's life and in his family's life and change the course of their, the rest of their physical and eternal lives. So I think it's really important when you find yourself in a place that you don't know why you're there, but you know there's a reason behind it. Don't give up hope in that moment. God does have a reason. He does have a purpose. You do have to be intentional to look for it. But whatever your momentary calling or location calling is, it might not be exactly what you think it should be. But there's still a greater purpose behind it all. Right. Even even if you end up somewhere you don't want to be. <laughs> God, like God's prison. Work, yeah, like prison. Sometimes... Yeah, our deep gladness is is not part of what the calling is in in a particular moment, but it's always that deep hunger is always involved. God's redemptive purpose is always at work. We just have to be attentive and and, and actively looking at it, intentionally looking for uh, and listening for God's call in in any particular moment. And this type of calling can can play out on on a huge scale. You see that in Paul where over the entire New Testament, you see him living out his call to go and take the gospel to the Gentiles. And you also see it in this momentary point where he is in prison and somewhere he doesn't want to be, yet he still sees God's call for him in that moment and lives into it. So so in our own lives, there, there's also this over overarching calling, but but we can also experience his momentary callings. For example, this morning in church, I was I'm I'm notoriously bad at social interaction with strangers. I am very very socially awkward and and I embrace that for the most part. The people that are around me may not, but oh well. Um and in the past, I have actually been asked to go and and welcome new people into the church. Uh, that, that this is their first time there, and I've blown it so bad that they have asked me to not do it anymore. I knew that's where that was going. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well, this morning I was standing in church right right after the service had, had done had had finished up, and my wife was talking to some of her friends, and I was just kind of standing there off to the side, and there was this these two new folks that I had never seen before, and uh, I felt this impulse that, look, I need to go talk to these people. Because they were just standing there by themselves, and, and no one was talking to them. And I was fairly certain they were, this was their first time there. And But at the same time, I knew how bad I was at doing this. So I kind of resisted for a few minutes, but then eventually relented and went and talked to these folks. And, and, and guess what? It was all right, because, you know... God. Um, (laughs) 
So okay. a, a, a momentary calling can be as simple as going and talking to somebody, not resisting that urge, because sometimes there's deep fruit in that. Or it can be as big as, as, as what Paul Paul was called to do to go to these vast, vastly different people, and tell them the good news of Christ. So one of the things we want you to do as, as you kind of think through the the topics that we're talking about are are kind of have a little bit of time of introspection look into your life and and try to try to discern where the holy spirit's talking to you are, are are there moments where the holy spirit has been prompting you to go have a conversation or to fulfill a need that's right there in front of you like the guy in Nehemiah but also to see where god is calling you to step into a to a grander role to to a more long-term role of of redemption in in your community in with your neighbors in your workplace. So with that in mind, we're going to we're going to transition here a little bit and we're going to talk about about our specific call stories. I've got a I've got a kind of interesting call story. Last week when we were talking about giftedness, I I kind of uh, led into mine just a little bit by saying that it is possible when looking at your gifts to kind of to kind of project your own desires on what God is calling you to do. So part of my call story involves a few years of me being convinced that I was called into music ministry to be a worship leader and to be a smashing good one at that. <laughs> <laughs> British colloquialisms. All right. Tell them um, why we're laughing, David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but there's there was a problem with that. And and that was that I have absolutely zero rhythm. Like I'm I'm reasonably good at musical instruments. I, I can carry a tune in a bucket. Not not a not a very good bucket, but but a bucket. And wait, can you have... explain carry a tune in a bucket for the listeners and maybe even a host that doesn't understand. It it's it's a um, it's expression. Yeah, it, it's an expression of that I'm not tone deaf, but I'm not Mariah Carey. Gotcha. So to get back on track, so so I, I was convinced that I was called to into music, but but the problem with that is is I wasn't. <laughs> um, like I took spiritual gift tests during this point and they all said that oh yes you're you're very strongly suited towards music but that was because i was projecting my own desires on what what i thought god wanted wanted me to do and so as kind of a caveat to what we said in the previous episode make sure that you are listening to god and not yourself we are doing the the self searching required for for taking these these gift gift tests. So I thought I was called to music, but but I wasn't. It wasn't until later on my probably junior year of college when I was in the worship band at Wesley and teaching a small group on the Book of Mark uh, for a freshman with my now wife when I realized that 
music was not where I found my my deep joy, as as we talked about earlier, with the Butner quote. It it was draining on me more than anything. Like it was good, but it was it was very draining. It was not where I really needed to be at that point. But in my role of of teaching um, and leading this this group with on Mark. I was I was getting this energy. I was finding this joy that I had never found in in uh, that I never found through music. And so that led to this radical change in in my perspective of what I was called to do with my life. And that all kind of came to a head my senior year of college, where I was trying to decide whether or not I wanted to go to seminary and pursue being a pastor or go into engineering. And I went to a bunch of people that I really trusted to give me honest feedback on me that knew me at a very deep level um, and were not yes men. And they basically told me, I think you'd do, be- you'd do good at both. I can see you doing both of those equally well. And I was like, well, that is very unhelpful because you're not helping me make this decision at all. <laughs> So I eventually decided to go into engineering for for various reasons, but this was the the path that I chose, but but I was I was a little hesitant about it cuz I I was worried that I was missing what God was actually calling me to because every time that I had seen people that that were really really excited about their faith and and really growing in their faith in college almost all of them had gone to seminary to go and be a pastor. And I wasn't doing that. So I was afraid that I was kind of turning my back on God's call for my life. It wasn't until I was in engineering for for a few months before I got this affirmation from God that, that, that there was work for me to do in the engineering field. That, that, that he had stuff to be done in the communication company that I that I was working working in and that that he was going to use me in that role. And what others saw at that juncture in my life that that I didn't see until later is that God was going to work his will in my life no matter which which choice I made. That they were both good choices and his will would be carried out in either way. And so I'm still doing a bit of discerning um, with my overall call. Uh, I'm still working through that. I know that God's working through me now where I am, but I don't know if 10, 15 years down the road, my calling is going to look the exact same. It's a constant, it, it's constant listening to, to what God through the Holy Spirit is, is telling me. But I know that right now, two of the big calls in my life are to be a light in my workplace, to to stand out, not in the kind of hit your coworkers over the head with the Bible way, but but to genuinely love the people that I work with and to to genuinely treat them with respect as well as the angry customers that that get my phone number. And also to 
I'm also know that right now one of my one of my big callings in my life is to my physical neighbors, the ones that are actually next door to me, um, to build relationship there that that they may know know the love of Christ through myself and through my wife that they may have never experienced before. And we may never see the fruit both come to completion. Both we may we may never see the fruit. Uh, come to completion both at my work and in our neighbors but part of that is is faith that that even once we've moved on past where we are right now that God's going to carry those out in calling others that will be around those folks so part of my story that I want to talk about or spend a little time on is related to my vocation and what I'm doing as a job right now and kind of how I got there. So I guess it all starts with me studying math in college and honestly the reason I chose that is because it was something I really enjoyed doing. I wasn't the best at it. Um, the, I tell people all the time, guy you might not know this, um, but I tell people all the time that the only reason I have a math degree is because of Guy Wimberly. <laughs> Aren't you special guy? Because we were like two of 13 math students in the entire university so that's how we became good friends and guy's a lot smarter than i am and has a lot of patience so he helped me immensely anyways i chose math because i really really like it i'm aware that not a lot of people do i had an absolutely horrid ap calculus teacher in high school and i thought you know what i can do this way better than I feel like she has done and if nothing else like that can be a good direction for me to start in this is a need that I see this is something that I enjoy doing let's start here and see what happens but as I continued into my college education I realized there's a lot of things that I could do with this and I still think that teaching may be in my future just got to kind of see what that looks like but that's not at all what I'm doing now. After graduating, I went many months without any promising job opportunities. I got married two weeks after I graduated. Nathan had graduated a semester before I had, and there wasn't immense pressure for me to get a job right away. And so we were waiting for the right opportunity to really come up. And about six months after I had graduated, after we had gotten married, I see this posting for a logistics specialist with this camp that I used to work at, and I'm convinced that this is my dream job. This is divine intervention, exactly where I need to be. I would be reporting to somebody who I've already worked with in the past. There's no way that this isn't a God-opened door, and I did not get the job. Um, And now hindsight is 2020, but it would have been the absolute wrong place for me to be. It's not bad that I applied for that job. It's not bad that I interviewed for that job. But I think that God intentionally closed that door because I would have taken it. And it's not where I needed to be. Because that would have meant summers away from Nathan. Which, if you recall me saying earlier, we distance dated for the majority of our relationship. And really did not want to do a distance marriage thing. If, even if it was just for a couple months at a time. Um, so I was really, really disheartened after that. 
And at that point, I was kind of feeling desperate. So you know what, just whatever comes up, I'm going to jump at that opportunity. I'm going to go for it, see what happens. And I was introduced to my current position by a friend at church. Thought, okay, like I might as well apply for it. I haven't had a ton of things that have seemed like the right opportunity. I honestly have no idea what I would be getting myself into here, but might as well apply. Went in for a couple interviews and quickly realized that that was exactly where I needed to be. The people who I would be working with, like we just connected instantly. We have the same values. We'd be fulfilling a practical need in people's lives, providing financial security for individuals and for business owners. And I never would have chosen that route for myself. I kind of chose it out of desperation. Um, but it ended up being exactly what needed to happen. I was just faithful to take that next step and to say, okay, like, here's an opportunity. Let me at least see what this is about and keep an open mind to it. And now, like I said, I really am where I feel like I need to be. And I can see redemption in the work that I'm doing and in the relationships that I'm building with my coworkers. And that's not to say that I won't be, that I'll be in this position forever, but I know I'm in the right place at the right time. Cool, cool. The end. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, my story, I, I was born and raised in, in Natchez, Mississippi. Uh, I grew up going to public school. I kind of came to a point probably fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, you know, sort of between the ages of like 10 and 15 where I just I hated that I was at public school because most of my friends from church went to went to private school and I was just really kind of resentful about that and I mean not super resentful but just like you know it's it's kind of like when your parents get you a car that you know it's not the car that you wanted you know you're just kind of grumpy about it I I got to that pretty much stayed that same I pretty much felt like that until my junior year of high school um at a had a really good pre-cal trade teacher my junior year and he was a football coach and typically football coaches are not known for being great teachers but he was fantastic and, and just had a huge impact on me and and on the other people in that class and I, and I think through him I saw the the impact that someone like that, someone in that position could have on people. I had grown up doing a youth group, and, and our youth group put a lot of emphasis on serving others and helping others and, and being God's hands and feet to others. And and so I think in I think I saw him doing that through his job, and, and that was really kind of the first time where I – I think I realized for real what I wanted to do with my life. So I got to college. I uh, started majoring in math and education. Um, and while I was at college, while I was in college, I, I was still pretty settled on teaching, but I, but I felt kind of this pull both ways between teaching and pastoring and just kind of shoved it off and said, uh, this, the same gifts that would help me be a good pastor are also going to help me be a good teacher, and teaching is what I'm going to do. I got to my senior year, my next to last semester of college, and I was the, – the preface here is that this was 
a week before exams, I was working on my last project. I was way behind on the project. And so all this stress kind of swirling around to kind of create this perfect storm of identity crisis and, and that kind of thing. But I was working on this project and I was reading a book to, to kind of help me get, get my ideas for the project. And there was a line in it that said, good teachers get really excited about creating classroom environments where the students are excitedly talking about all the things they're learning in, in that classroom. So I'm a math teacher. So that means I, if I'm really that amped about teaching, what I should be getting excited about is being in a classroom where all my high school students are just going back and forth about, you know, oh man, I'm so excited that we're learning this. And oh man, I'm so excited that we're learning this. And pie day is tomorrow and kind of all these things. And I, I just kind of, everybody does get excited for pie day except for me and that's my point like i I think i had this moment where you know what i was good in math and and i enjoyed like solving equations and that kind of stuff in in high school classes but i think i just realized at that point that you know what i don't i don't think i like math that much i'm I'm not (laughs) i'm not that excited about math which is a scary thought to have like a month before, you know, a, a semester before you graduate with a degree in math education. And so that, that summer, uh, that day I talked with uh, my campus minister at, at the Wesley Foundation and kind of had one of many discussions that we had about, you know, pastor or teacher, pastor or teacher, and, and kind of where we landed on in, in that conversation was, you know what, maybe maybe all this time the call has been pastor. That summer I worked a job at a church, and, and that call got even more confirmed. Um, and kind of in the midst of that, kind of parallel, running parallel to that, um, I had seen being a teacher as an opportunity to not just impact individuals, but impact change at my high school and and in my town. And I think while I was in college, while I was away from, from Natchez, I saw how broken Natchez was. And Natchez doesn't have any problems that other towns don't, but because it's where I was from, because it's the people in my know, because it's the people I know, it, it, it holds a special place in my heart. There was this guy that committed suicide uh, right around that time, uh, and he was not, and this is probably how all suicide stories go, but he was not, I would have never thought that he of all people would have committed suicide because he was, he was the life of party. He was... He was happy-go-lucky. He, he wasn't really close to me, but, but it still affected me deeply because I think it showed me how doesn't matter what mask you put on, doesn't matter what facade you put up, doesn't matter what image you portray to people, you can still have just so much brokenness and hurt and, and wounding going on in your heart. And I, I knew that, that the same things that were happening in that guy's heart were happening in so many people's hearts back home. And I, I saw 
and I, and I see an opportunity as as a pastor potentially back in Natchez to to preach the gospel to people, not not the gospel of if you pray this prayer, if you believe that Jesus exists, you'll go to heaven one day. But this gospel of we do not have to continue living in these broken patterns and cycles. Jesus doesn't just forgive us of sin, but in his death and resurrection, he frees us from the power of sin, and we can really live new creation lives here and now. And I, I grew up in church my whole life, and I don't think I ever heard that till I was 19. And I just wondered how many people in, in my community were the same way. And, and so more and more, I saw, again, just to reiterate, just saw that, you know what, maybe, maybe teaching isn't my calling. Maybe, maybe being a pastor really is, is where I, where I need to be heading. Difficult part of that, um, my junior year to, to help cover the cost of college, I had signed up for a scholarship to, um, four teachers and, and the, the, the stipulation of that scholarship was that every basically I had to teach four years in Mississippi uh, to to earn the money. Otherwise, I would have basically had to pay back a student loan. And so, again, senior year, I have this kind of crisis moment, and and I realize that I'm about to walk into four years of a place where that isn't my primary calling, um, and. That's where I'm at now. I'm, I'm coming at the end of that four years. Uh, I, I applied to seminary, and, and I got accepted, and I'll, I'll be going next fall. Um, and and that th- this has been kind of an interesting place in my journey, and, and Bethany talked about how your calling right now may not be your deepest, your deep gladness or your deepest gladness. It may be... The purpose of you being where you're at may be more about refinement and preparation than it is about um, where your deep gladness meets the world's deep hurt. Um, That's where I'm at right now. Uh, this This season in my life is is not where I want to stay or where I even feel called to stay, but. But that doesn't mean that God hasn't used it. Um, this season has been one of, of refinement and sanctification, and, and there were wounds <laughs> that I walked into this season with that I'm not going to walk out with. Um, God's done a lot of my life, and I, I wouldn't have done it any other way. And that's my story so, so far. So as you think over your own lives and, and, and examine the calling of God, on your life, um, one of the things that I think should be should be said is is that your calling can change over time. What you're called to at one phase of your life may not be what you're called to in a later phase of life. Um, for for example, in, in the Bible, you have King David. He's he's a shepherd boy out in the fields, forgotten by his family. Well, not forgotten, but intentionally left out because he was the youngest and somebody had to watch the sheep, uh, who was anointed to be king, but prior to being actually living into the calling of being king, he's called to be a servant of the first king, Saul, before he ever gets to live out the call of being 
the actual king. So one of the things that, that we should all be doing right now is looking and listening for where are you being called right now? What are the deep needs that you see around you right now where God might be calling you to come alongside of him and, and work alongside of him in his redemptive work? One thing that's always stuck with me, I think I heard this in high school, might have been college, um, as someone was sharing with me Psalm 119, 105, which is a verse that talks about the word of God being a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And I really wish I could remember who that was so I could give him a shout out right now, but I've got no clue. Um, But anyways, this person was sharing and saying, when you're walking down a path and you have a lamp, you don't see the entire path. You just see the next step or the next couple of steps in front of you, depending on how bright your lamp is. I think that's really important to remember if you find yourself kind of in a lost or confused place and you're not really sure what you're calling in this moment or in this situation may be, what is that next step? What is something that you can see in front of you and say, yes, this is what I need to do? And just keep taking next step after next step. And eventually you're going to end up where you need to be. Continue to be prayerful about what those next steps should be and continue to seek answers in God's word and through wise counsel around you other friends who are following the lord as well but you don't have to have an end goal in mind all the time just be faithful to take that next step when you see it arise thinking about calling can can kind of be frustrating uh for for sometimes for some people it's 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 really easy to look at somebody who's just got it going on with with their gifts and maybe be jealous of them or, or maybe feel like, you know, whatever my calling is, like it's nowhere near as important as that person. And I think that's kind of what's brought us into this place where um, we see pastors as being like the upper tier, the upper crust, and then you've got everybody else. That is not from God. Like that is our, we teach our kids in, in this country from a, from in, in this society and our culture from a young, young age, that, that they could be whatever they want to be, um, which is a really great idea. Um, but but a lot of times mixed into that is you, you have to be, in whatever field you're in, you have to be the best and the brightest. And, and so much of the way we value people and their work is where are they at on the ladder? Where are they at in the tiers? And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 that the the foot shouldn't say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Um, Or the ear shouldn't say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Like All of our work, all of our callings. Doesn't matter if you're a if you're a pastor or a janitor, you know, which are two. Think about how we in the church value the work of our pastor and our custodian. Like, there should be no laddering or tiering or stratification between how we think of those those two people. Paul says that same chapter. He says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service. They are different 
but it's coming from the same spirit, the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. It doesn't matter what your calling is. It doesn't matter what your gifts are. You are at work with God doing those things. And your work, no matter how big, no matter how small, is valuable. So that wraps up our main discussion about calling, and we'll end this episode as we will end all of our episodes with the recommendation station. Bethany, you did not participate in the dance party. She just, I did not. She just it's dead. True. She just dead stared us through Skype. Wow. She really did. It was it was quite sad. I don't think she is near as excited about recommendation station wow. as Guy and I are. While the Holy Sp- I'm excited about my recommendation. While the Holy Spirit fell on me and David, Bethany just <laughs> sat and stared at us. <laughs> I need a snack. That's my excuse. So recommendation station. Uh David, you wanna you wanna lead us off? What what are you recommending recommending to our listeners this week? Sure. Uh, one of the things that we've talked about a lot tonight has been about listening to God um, and and discerning what God is calling you to do. So my my recommendation tonight is another very short book. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. It's not actually by Brother Lawrence. It's a compilation of letters and and quotes from a from a Catholic monk that lived about three hundred years ago. Um, it's got some really really cool applications and 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 practices uh, for for building that time in your life where you can and rid yourself of, of outside distraction and, and really get down and, and, and get with you and God and listen to the voice of God. So often, I know for me, uh, maybe not for you, you might have it all figured out, but for me, a lot of times when I pray, I talk the entire time. And so part of this is helping you get to helping you to be able to slow down and, and listen and actually be and rest in the presence of God. So, it's super short, super quick read, super practical, super good. The practice of the presence of God. Five stars. Five stars. Five thumbs up. Or six, because <laughs> there's three of us. There we go. All right, Bethany? Bethany. <laughs> All right. So, my recommendation for this week is the Chick fil A One app. I love Chick fil A. It's one of my favorite things in the entire world. Their food is delicious. Their restrooms are always clean. Their people are almost always nice. And if they're not, they're not doing their job the way they're supposed to do their job. And their food's delicious. And now they've made it even easier to get their delicious food through the Chick-fil-A one app. You can save orders so you know what your favorites are and just go in, click a button, it has your food ready for you. You don't have to wait in line. You tell the app when you're there and they bring your food to you and it's glorious. Miss that entire mosh pit experience. 
you can set a favorite store so you're always going to the same place or you can use the GPS and it will tell you which Chick-fil-A is closest to you. You can preload funds into your Chick-fil-A app and pay straight through the app. Don't have to carry a wallet around with you if you're just making a quick Chick-fil-A run, which happens to me probably more often than it should. Um, also, you can get treats. The more stuff you buy, I know like this is very intentional. They want you to spend more money, but it works. They give you free food. I love it. It's fantastic because I'm going to be spending the money there anyways. But for the month of September, if you download the app, you get a free breakfast item. And if you have not tried the egg white chicken grill, it is their new breakfast item. It's actually really good. Whole wheat English muffin with a grilled chicken filet and American cheese and egg whites. It's so good, you guys. These these people are laughing at me. Chick-fil-A is so good, though. It is. Man. My, my recommendation for this week... Um, on a list of God's gifts to mankind are number one, Jesus. Number two, uh, apparently Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Number three. <laughs> Thank you. Number three has to be the greatest band of all time. Uh, I knew this was happening. <laughs> <laughs> but but for real, um, for real though, Um I am recommending this week uh, my favorite U2 album, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb. Don't be thrown off by why would they name an album that. It is really, really good. If all you do is download and listen to City of Blinding Lights on repeat for the rest of your life, you will have done well. That's my recommendation for this week. Well, guys, that's all we've got today. If you like what you hear, we ask that you would subscribe, rate, and review this wherever you get your podcast. Also, check us out on Facebook. We are the other ninety nine on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope at the other ninety nine pod. That's at the other nine nine pod. Also, we would love to get your feedback from this episode. If you have a calling story that you would like to share, please let us know. We'd really like to hear from you guys. Any other questions that you may have or ideas for topics that we can talk about in future episodes, please email us at theother99podcast at gmail.com. Look forward to hearing from you guys, and we hope you all have a great week. Please tune in again in two weeks when we release our next episode. Bye-bye now. See ya. I am yours, no longer my own.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.